Moss, as this will be a very difficult situation for both of them. Uh, I feel somewhat what she's going through, considering just a few years ago, I also went through this, and so Daryl, about a year ago, has also gone through it. So it is a hard time. So please don't don't forget to pray for Gloria, for Daryl, who's up there in his journey. And um, we, we know it's God's blessing. We all will sleep someday or be changed. Hopefully, for us, we'll be changed. <laughs> At least that's what we're looking forward to. Okay, for the Bible study then, I, I was thinking back when I thought about the Bible study of we went through a whole week of uh, sermons about the Bride of Christ and and how it all how all we will kind of relate to that and it was a very good Bible study uh, uh, it was an important Bible study to help each one of us it makes me thinking of uh, will I be a part of it will you be a part of it and what is it going to take for us to be there. You know, we hear sermons, constantly hear things up and and that's what services are about. And But I know it's difficult. It is for me and for, uh, probably for you, maybe not, but it's difficult to hear a sermon and then go back and study it. Because I think one of the important things of of sermons and Bible studies are do you study it? Do you prove everything that's been said? Because these are important topics and God has inspired them and you have a part to be part of the family of God. So maybe go back go over those there were seven sermons on the bride of Christ. Uh, you know, we also took a whole week it said Examining yourself. I look back at that. It's so easy to slip back into your regular day of daily life after days of unleavened bread, after Passover and days of unleavened bread. But we can't afford to do that. Daryl has been expressing greatly how rapidly things in the world are changing. And so where do we sit as an individual? Where do you sit? And it's easy. It's easy to get back and do the same old thing. But that's not what Daryl's been encouraging. God's inspired those encouragements. And so I come to that point in 1 Corinthians 12 and I ask myself, who am I? Who are you? Who are we? In 1 Corinthians chapter 1, God tells us, He said, you see your calling. I'm not going to read all of it. He said, do you see your calling? So have... I said, do I see what is important to me? Do I see my calling? I'm not a wise man. God says He didn't call wise. Uh, He didn't call mighty, powerful people. uh, People in authority in the government. He didn't call... uh, People that are strong men, you know, they had a, just this past month, I think it was, a few, last weekend maybe it was, they had the uh, strong Iron Man contest. Well, I don't see many Iron Men here or Iron Women either. Uh, 
But God says He didn't call any of those people. He didn't call the nobility. Those that are running the country or kings or the queen of England or presidents of the country. He just didn't call those people. But He called, and this is what I got to thinking about, He called the foolish things of the world. He called those that are not wise, but He called the weak things. He calls the base things. I can remember years ago they used to say, you know who we are? We're the bottom of the barrel. You know, it's uh, the scum that lays when they on the very bottom. That's who God has called. And He did that for a purpose. That you will not be able to stand up and gain your own praise. It is that no flesh should glory in God's presence. So, if you think you're important, you are important. You're important to God, but not of your own self. And I got to thinking, what's there are several people in the Bible uh, that God named particularly for certain things. The first one, way back in Genesis, was Enoch. And there's not a whole lot in the Bible about Enoch, but God put his name there for a purpose. It says in Genesis 5 and verse 24, it says, Enoch walked with God. So there was a purpose for that. God wanted something for us to understand that here Enoch lived 600 years, and he, 665 years, and he walked with God. In Hebrews 11, verse 5, it says, By faith Enoch was translated that he should not see death, and was not found because God had translated him. For before his translation, he had this testimony, that he pleased God. So that's why it was important for us to see Enoch. His name means dedicated or disciplined. So maybe because he was a dedicated person that God put his name there. He walked with God for 65 years. There's another person in the Old what we call the Old Testament that God put out there and that was Noah. And Noah's name means rest and comfort. And the fact that he did not conform to the world. In his day and time, the world was in a big mess. And we're in that point right now, or as it was, Christ said, in the days of Noah. That's what it's going to be like at the end time. So as we look at the situation around here, isn't that what we see? A, a lot of havoc. And we don't want to be a part of that. So he's so Noah's name also means relief and rest. Relief and rest. In Second Peter two verse five it says, And God spared not the old world, but saved Noah, the eighth person, a preacher of righteousness, in bringing the flood upon the world. So 
here's a name that God put in there and said, Noah was a preacher of righteousness. So it took a lot of work and effort to do that. To be a person that God looked to in his life. Another man, Abraham. And he is the father of a multitude. And he's also the friend of God. Isn't that interesting that we want to be called the friend of God too? And there are things that we can do to be that way. So Abraham was God's friend. And in Genesis 15, verse 6 says, And he believed in God, or in the Lord, and it was counted to him for righteousness. Abraham's faith. But it was more than faith with Abraham. He did what he said he would do. He did and complied with God. He was dedicated to doing things God's way. Turn to James chapter 2, verse 21. James chapter 2, verse 21. Was not Abraham our father justified by works? when he had offered Isaac his son upon the altar? See you now how faith wrought with his works, and by works was his faith made perfect. So Abraham had works, but he also had faith. He trusted God with his life and with his son's life. And the scripture was fulfilled which says, Abraham believed God. How much, I ask, do we believe God? Do we really trust and believe God? Well, he sends us his servants. He sent the prophets. And we know in Peter that everything that's in the Bible was written by not men's words, but written by holy men. People that God chose and put in their mind to write these things. So here, Abraham believed God and it was imputed to him for righteousness. His belief, his trust in God was righteousness. And he, Abraham, was called the friend of God. So you see how that works of a man is justified and not by faith only. So we have a lot of people say all you have to do is just believe in God. But it's more than just belief. It's putting effort and energy into it. You have to do it and you have to be dedicated to to believing God and doing it. Was only a few people, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, the ones that uh, God looked to, There were many other people. We don't know who they are. But apparently there were other people that were dedicated in Romans chapter 11. Romans chapter 11. And let's go to verse 2. Romans 11, 2. God has not cast away His people which He foreknew. God just didn't throw the people away which He knew. Want you not what the Scripture said? uh, to uh, Elijah 
how that makes intercession for God for against Israel, saying, Lord, you know, here was a man, Elijah, a man who loved God, did a lot of things, but then he got scared and said, you know, Lord, they've killed the prophets and dug, dug down your altars and I am left alone and they seek my life. So here was a man that was a great prophet and he was saying, hey, I'm by myself. There's nobody else but me. I'm the only one left of all the people that serve God. But God said, to answered unto Elijah and said, I have reserved to myself 7,000 men who have not bowed the knee to the image of Baal. There were 7,000 more people. We don't know their names. People that were dedicated to obeying God. And so because of their dedication, God put them aside, protected them. Even so, verse 5, at this present time, the time that Paul wrote this, and also for today, at this present time, because we know the Bible is written to all of us, at this present time also, there's a remnant according to the election of grace. So God's looking for people who are dedicated to honoring and serving Him. And so that's where we need to be today. We need to have a true, deep dedication to God. If we're going to be numbered with that 7,000, numbered with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and Noah, and Enoch, and those that have gone before us, we have to now dedicate our life to God. Daryl has pointed this out. He said there during the during the days of unleavened bread, this is a serious time. You have to knuckle down or bore down or put your heart into it. But it is still very easy, isn't it, to, to become laxed, to slip to the side. You know, we do not want to be there where it talks of Revelation chapter 6, Chapter 3, verse 16, So then, because you are lukewarm, how many people have let their dedication slip? How many people are just sitting out there and take your life as it comes? But Christ said, you cannot be lukewarm. You either have to be all fired up or you're going to have to just be cold and, and because he is not going to take and tolerate people that are lukewarm. You cannot be lukewarm and be dedicated. You have to be on fire. You have to hear the sermons. Daryl has been preaching his heart out that we look at the situation of the world, that we get our minds and our hearts and our efforts into what's happening around us today. Amos 3 says, Can two walk together except they agree? If we're lukewarm, we're not walking with Christ. If we're lukewarm, we're 
just taking day to day. And God is not going to tolerate that. You cannot be a dedicated human being and be lukewarm. Hosea 14, verse 9. Hosea was inspired to write, Who is a wise and he shall understand these things? Prudent and he shall know them. For the way of the Lord is right, and the just shall walk in them. They will walk in the things that we hear. So we hear sermons. We hear, uh, we read the Bible. But do we go back when you hear a sermon? Do you go back and not only listen to it again, but think upon it? Am I, is this sermon to me or is it to everybody else? So many times, I think, years ago, when there was a large number of people meeting with us, and I heard it said, that sermon was just to me. Or others had said, that was for all these other people. And I never looked at a sermon like that. I always thought, what did I do? How did this, how did Daryl, or the speaker know what I was doing all week because it was to me. I mean, I could see it to me, not to somebody else. But that's what it's easy to do. It's easy to think that it's the other person and not me. And so God says through Hosea, the just will walk in them. Walk in what? in the ways that God directs us. And that's what you hear in sermons. I know myself, the things that I bring was used to bring out in sermons, a lot of times I said something, I sat there and thought, now where'd that come from? It wasn't from me, because I'm just a dummy like everybody else. You know, I read 1 Corinthians chapter 1. I'm not the greatest person. I do good that God's allowed me even to be here. Again, in Micah chapter 6. You can write these things down. Micah chapter 6 and verse 8. He has showed you. God is showing us through scriptures, through sermons. He is saying, I have showed you, O men, what is good and what the Lord requires of you. So we have sermons. We have Bible study. And God tells us, I'm going to show you what is required of you to be like Noah, to be like Enoch, to be like Abraham, to be like, say, um, Rahab, be like Sarah. I'm going to show you, he said, this is what is required of you to do justly, to love mercy, which is difficult, isn't it? As human beings, we can, we can hold back on mercy. But mercy is, like God said, His mercy endures forever. Psalms 136, all through the whole psalm, my mercy, God says, is not ending. It's forever and ever. So He said to do everything justly. Whatever you do, make sure it's right to love mercy and to have mercy on other people and to walk humbly with your God. 
And walking humbly doesn't mean you walk with your head down. No, you've got to be willing to give of your life to God and take what God sends to you. So it takes, in order to do what Micah 6.8 says, it takes real dedication. You have to fix it in your mind that I am going to do this. I know it's hard. I'm not one that that sticks to it that hard. And, and so I see in my life that there's a lot that I lack. And one thing is real dedication to God. Luke chapter, uh, chapter 1. And here's the story in, Chup- in Luke chapter 1 of Zacharias and Elizabeth. Two people. Elizabeth gave birth to John the Baptist. But here's two people that God put down in the Scriptures for us to look at and think about. And these two people were both righteous before God. He said that these two people were righteous. Something that they did in their life put them in that position that God says these two people Zacharias and and Elizabeth who gave birth to uh, John the Baptist were righteous before God walking in all the commandments and ordinances of the Lord and they were blameless so they had to be doing something more than just doing a daily routine it says they were blameless. That means they were dedicated to, to the commandments. They thought about them like David. They, David rehearsed that all the time. He went over it and he thought about the commandments and meditated on them and see if they went the right way. So apparently, Zacharias was meditating on the commandments. And the ordinances, not just the commandments. Sometimes we set those things aside and only think, well, the Ten Commandments is all we got to do. No, you have to keep the commandments, the, the statutes, the judgments, the ordinances that God sent. And there are a lot of things that they lived by. In Romans 8, verse 1, there is therefore no condemnation no total destructive condemnation or judgment to them which are in Emmanuel Christ. They're not condemned if they are in it, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. So I have to ask myself, Nelson, are you walking after the flesh or the Spirit? Look at our daily lives. What do we do every day? Well, we have to eat and sleep and we have to do dishes or vacuum the house or mow the yard or fix a vehicle or work someplace. But are we doing everything after the flesh just to get something good for us? Or are we doing our and living our life after the Spirit to be more like Christ? It takes real dedication to walk after the Spirit. Because you're going to be hit, we know in, in uh, 
Matthew 24, it says that as the time gets worse, we're going to be attacked by people we had considered to be brothers and sisters in Christ. They're going to want to turn you over to the law. And if you're not totally dedicated to God and to Christ, then you're not going to be like uh, the three men uh, who went to Nebuchadnezzar and said, we're not going to bow down to your idol. If you're not dedicated, then you will not stand with those three which were thrown into a a burning, fiery furnace because they trusted God. They were dedicated to serving God. Daniel, dedicated to serving God to the point where they made a, a, a deal that if he was praying to God then and not to the king, they were going to throw him in the lion's den. What did he do? He believed God and he was dedicated to his life. And they threw him in a lion's den. But he loved God and God showed him mercy. Those that were against him, what happened to them? They were thrown in the lion's den, but they didn't make it. So, we have to have true, deep convictions of what we're doing. You get sermons that are there to help us to see the direction we need to go in. You know, you can go to Ephesians chapter 5, verse 6. Ephesians chapter 5. To have real dedication. So Paul was writing to the Ephesian church and said in chapter 5, verse 6, Let no man deceive you with vain words. He admonished us. Be careful. Look. Understand and know that people will be out there with vain words, selfish words. For because of these things comes the wrath of God upon the children of disobedience. So if you've got to be careful, God's wrath is going to come down on disobedient people. Be not you, verse 7, therefore partakers with them. If they have vain words, stay away. Do not be a part of it. For you were sometimes in darkness, but now you are in light of the Lord. Walk as children in the light. That's why we have God takes the time every Sabbath to lead us into the path of righteousness, in the path of light. So we need to walk in that light. For the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness and righteousness and truth, proving what is acceptable unto to the eternal. Do we prove it? When it says prove it, means that you take a sermon, you go back over it, use the Bible, see, is that the truth? I remember Mr. Armstrong, one of the things that brought me in contact with God and was Mr. Armstrong said, preached it on the radio, don't believe me. Believe the Bible. If it's in the Bible, that's what the truth is. And you can't believe what's in the Bible if you're not proving 
studying it, going over it. So you have a sermon. We had that sermons, seven sermons on the Bride of Christ. Did we go back over those sermons? Think of it. How does it relate to me? How do I relate to Christ? How do I relate to God on a personal basis? So I have to prove what's acceptable to God. That takes dedication. It's too easy to go off the, off the track and do something else and have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather reprove them. You can't reprove them if you're not proving what God says. For it's a shame, verse 12, even to speak of the things which are done in secret. There's so many things, so many people who want to ignore God. Our whole country is going down the tubes because we are walking farther and farther away from God. But remember that God is going to bring a remnant. Not a great amount. I was going over this and I thought, well, what's the percentage? If there were 65 billion people ever alive, that percentage of people who will be a part of the Bride of Christ is uh, 2.2 micro percent. That's point oh 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 two two percent, which is not very much, is it? It's so small from all the human beings ever alive. So we can't get involved with the secrets, the things that are done in darkness. We have to do it in the light, and God is in the light. But all things that are reproved are made manifest by the light. For whatsoever does make manifest is light. Therefore, he said, Christ said, Awake you that sleep. Isaiah 52 says, Awake, awake. I mean, we are admonished to get away from being asleep. The world is at sleep. A large percentage of the church went to sleep. And where are they today? People that you knew. People that I knew. Walked away. And I have seen in my 50-some years in the church, when somebody walks away, wants to go back to their home, back to their old way of life, it's easy to begin to keep going and going and before you know it you don't know of God you've forgot everything that you've learned so in verse 14 says awake you that sleep do not be like the Laodiceans and arise from the dead and Christ shall give you light see then that you walk circumspect Circumspect means diligently and perfectly. That's what circumspect means. So we should be walking diligently and perfectly in the way. Not as fools, but as wise people. Redeeming the time. Redeem the time. You know, I've been around for a long time. And God still says, Redeem that time that you let slip because the days are evil. 
Wherefore be you not unwise, but understanding what is the will of God. What is God's will? God's will is how others, how the other people pleased Him. It's God's will that we please Him. It's not about us in reality. It's about God. It's all about God, what He wants. So we should be diligently trying to please God with everything that we do. And be not drunk with wine wherein is in excess, but be filled with the Spirit. So you can drink wine and be a drunkard, or you can drink in the Spirit of God. So it's saying that you, you just have to spend more time. How many times in the past year has Daryl said, get your act together. Study. It's, it's high time. There's no time left for lollygagging or being lukewarm. God doesn't like lukewarm people. Colossians chapter 1. Colossians chapter 1, verse 9. Paul again speaking on being diligent. He said, For this cause we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you. I pray for you people. I pray for God's work. I pray for Daryl. I pray for myself because I really need it. But, you know, we should be praying for each other. Just like it said, praying for uh, Gloria and her husband. Pray for, for each other. And to desire that, uh, desire that you might be filled with the knowledge of His will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. So pray that you can have the wisdom and the spiritual understanding. Because sometimes... You know, it says Paul had many things that were hard to understand. But so we pray, God help me to understand. Matthew chapter 6 verse 9, I think it is, it says, Pray this way, Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Give us this day our daily bread. Give us the spiritual food. Help all of us. Help my brothers and sisters. Help my husband or wife, pray that we all have the uh, wisdom and knowledge of God. That you might walk worthy of God. Are we, you know, if we pray, help me to be uh, pleasing you, Father. Pleasing Christ. And bringing fruit for good works. Which means, it's not just prayer and having faith, but it means you've got to put something into it. It won't just happen. You have to put something there. So you have to be dedicated. Walk worthy of eternal and bring fruit for every good works and increase in the knowledge of God. That means studying. That means daily life. You want to be like Enoch? who for 665 or 365 years walked with God. He pleased God when he looked at every bit of his life. 
and strengthen with the all might and according to his glorious power and to all patience and long suffering with joyfulness. Galatians 5 gives us God's Spirit. Love, joy, peace. Those are attributes of God's Spirit. Love, joy, peace, long suffering, gentleness, goodness. That's who God is. And so he tells us this is what we need to do. Giving thanks to God, that's prayer. Thank you for another day, you know. This was a beautiful day. This was a good day. You get up in the morning and you say, Thank you, Father. Give me another great day. Give me another beautiful day. Give me protection and help that I can be more like you. That I can please you. Be a better way to put it. Help me to please you today with what I do. That's being dedicated to doing things God's way. Colossians 4. Colossians 4. In the effort of being dedicated, it says in Colossians 4, verse 5 and 6. Colossians 4, 5 and 6. Wake or walk in wisdom toward them that are without, redeeming the time. So there's other people. You have to be in wisdom when you walk toward other people. And let your speech be always with grace, seasoned with salt, that you may know how you ought to answer every man. So you get up in the morning and say, Father, I want to please you today. Help me to know how to conduct my life around other people. How do I uh, bring praise to you or glory to you in my life when I talk and communicate with other people? And it takes a lot of effort to do that. Again, it's dedication. Effort means dedication, means work. In Deuteronomy 8, verse 3, says, Live not where that we should not live by physical food only, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of eternal. That's what we live by. We have to live by what's in the Bible. I remember Mr. Armstrong said many years ago for me that everything that I need to know to be uh, able to get into the kingdom of God is in the Bible and it's easy to understand. Sometimes we make it difficult, but it's not difficult. We just have to trust God and study the Bible because that's what's important. In John chapter 14, verse 15 says, If you love me, Christ said, if you really love me, and you know, Daryl went through John, 1 John verses, uh, chapters 1 and 2 last time. He said, If you really love me, this is what you have to do. Keep my commandments. You can't keep the commandments if you don't really know them. And you, can't, you cannot know them unless you're studying them. So if you're going to please God, you have to keep His commandments. 
in Thessalonians chapter 5.21 says, Prove all things. Hold fast to that good. So, you have to prove what God's telling you and hold to the good. You have to hold to the good parts. The Bereans in, in Acts were a, a group of people that studied the Scriptures. They heard Paul speak, which is what I was saying earlier. They heard a sermon by Paul. And what did they do? They went to the Scriptures. They dug it out. And as it says in Acts 17, verse 11, these, the Berean people, were more noble than those in Thessalonica. Thessalonica just heard the Scriptures and, and, and all in that they received the words with all readiness of mind and searched the Scriptures daily. They wanted to know, was this the truth? So we have a sermon. Do we go back and search to find out? Maybe maybe there's something I didn't hear. I know it's easy to hear a sermon and you get something in your mind and before you know it, you're over a hundred miles away or so. But then go back. Take the sermons. If you're taking notes, go over your notes. Go over the Scriptures. See how it relates to you. It's basically what the Bereans did. They searched the Scriptures daily whether the things were so. That's why it's so important that God inspires the sermons. Do we then, being dedicated enough to diligently go back and say, how does that affect me? How can I be a better servant of Christ? How can I walk with Christ? How can I please God? The sermons are there to help us to see how we can please God. Because that's what it's all about. Romans chapter 12, verse 2. And be not conformed to this world, but be transformed. How do you be transformed? You can't transform from one way of thinking to another unless you're studying unless you're dedicated to it by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is good and acceptable and the perfect will of God. So it takes study. It takes work. It takes dedication. So we can't be conformed to the world, but we have to be changed. We have to strive at it to find out what God wants from us. So are we dedicated? David, in Psalm 26, speaks of things that we need to think about. In Psalm chapter 26, David said, Judge me, O Lord. David asked God to do His judgment. Judge me, O Lord, for I have walked in my integrity. Integrity means completeness. 
prosperity, usually and morally uh, innocent, integrity, perfect or perfection, simplicity, upright, uprightly or uprightness. That's what integrity means. That's who David was. So he said to God, uh, search me, judge me on my integrity. I have trusted also in the Lord, therefore I shall not slide. Because he was dedicated to doing it God's way. In verse 2 he said, Examine me, O Lord, and prove me. Try the reins of my heart. Can you do that? Will you do that? Go to prayer and ask God, say, Prove me, Father. Search my life. Show me what I need to do. You know, when I do that, Friday nights, Saturday mornings, I say, God, help me to see something that I'm doing wrong that I can change so I can please you. And you know, I get it. Sometimes the sermons come down hard on me and I went, I kind of try to sink under the seat because God answers your prayers. And if you really want God to examine you and if you really want to have integrity, ask God to help you. Ask Him to search out your life. For David said in verse 3, For your loving kindness is before my eyes and I have walked in, in your truth. I have not set uh, with vain people, neither will I go with the dissemblers. I am not going to go out here and, and spend my time with people who are causing division. I am going to put my life in God's hands. So he said, I'm not going to sit with dissemblers. I have hated the congregation of evildoers. Is that your mind? Do you really hate that? If you're dedicated to God, you could read this whole uh, psalm and maybe go home tonight and read it. Read all that, God, that David had to say. Because it's so important for us that we know what God wants, that we know His will, and that we please Him. He said in Ezekiel, two places in Ezekiel 14, He said, Though these three men, three people, he said, Noah, Daniel, and Job uh, were in it, they would deliver but their own souls by their righteousness, said God. So it's not your husband, your wife, your brother, your sister, your friends. It's up to you. It's up to you to be dedicated enough that you will walk with God. So when I went back and thought about dedication, thought about the three people I brought up, four people I brought up, Enoch, what did Enoch do? Enoch walked in the Spirit of God. He was dedicated to live that way of life for 365 years. Noah would not be conformed to the world. If we're going to be like Noah, we cannot conform to the world. We cannot let our lives slip into the worldly things. Abraham 
showed true obedience to the will of God. God asked him to leave his country. He left. God asked him to kill his son. He put him up there and as far as it was concerned to Abraham, he killed his son even though God stopped him. But he was has showed true obedience to God. We have to have obedience to God. Zechariah was faithful in everything he did. And because of his faithfulness and because of his dedication, God brought uh, through him John the Baptist, who was the lead person before Christ came on the scene. So, I haven't covered everything. There's a lot more. I've got a lot of scriptures I skipped by. But take the subject. See dedication. Ask yourself, am I truly dedicated to God? Look up all the scriptures you can find on dedication. The people that God has put in the scriptures for us to benefit from. And so, to me it was a a great study. Only thing I can say is, I pray for all of you, and pray for Daryl, and pray for Gloria, and I ask that you pray for me because I'm I need help too. Just like Paul said, pray, pray for all the people, pray for Daryl to have the knowledge and the wisdom and the ability to teach us the ways of God. That's. That's it for tonight.